My name is uh, Pastor Jim Olson. I get the incredible privilege of serving as the senior pastor of this house of prayer for all nations and have had the privilege of doing so for 22 and a half years. And uh, it is just an honor and privilege to uh, to pastor this house. And uh, God is at work and moving and doing incredible things among us. It's just really, truly remarkable. And um, you get little bits and pieces of it. I have the joy of kind of getting a, a wider view, a kind of a 30,000-foot altitude view of what's happening. And I'm telling you, God is at work. God is at work among us, and it's a, it's a great joy. Yesterday I was meeting with the leaders of our Bhutanese Christian Fellowship and discovered to my great joy that, um, because we'd been talking about this, they have... They have a new name for the congregation, so we're going to all have to get used to this because it's now the Himalayan Christian Fellowship because it's not only Bhutanese who come, but it's Nepalese and folks from India and that whole region, and they want to welcome and embrace all those from that area. So isn't that good? I just love, I love that. Now I have to, we have to figure out, though, because we already have Haitian Christian, we already have an HCF. So now we have Himalayan Christian Fellowship, but I've, I've come up with high, like high altitude, high CF. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor and Sam and I began a, a new series entitled Out of the Box, Increasing Kingdom Influence. Our key scripture here is taken out of Jesus' prayer, the Lord's Prayer. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 6. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where we sense the Lord taking us as a congregation in this season is out of the box of simply the four walls of coming together on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening or whenever it is that we meet as a people gathered, the ecclesia, the gathered ones. But what happens during the week between now and then? The Lord is... What happens? You know, and... and Have you ever thought this? Maybe you've even heard these words spoken. I've heard these words from people who've who've met me at the door on their way out of church where they have said, Oh, Pastor, it was so wonderful this morning. It's too bad now that we have to go back to the real world. Somehow there's a misconception then in our mind that what's happening here isn't real. Because what's happening here is real, but we've somehow compartmentalized our understanding of our Christian walk in faith in such a way that we have it compartmentalized between the sacred and the secular. And the sacred is what happens when we gather together with all God's people here, and the secular is what happens all the time in between. But we want to say that that's not how Jesus and how the Scripture views the kingdom of God. In Luke, as we learned a couple of weeks ago, in Luke 
when Jesus says, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? He compares it like a woman with yeast who's sowing and, 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 and nourishing and putting that yeast and kneading it into the bread so that it goes into the flour, so that it goes through all of the flour, and the flour then is yeasted with the reality of the kingdom. He said, that's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not somehow separated and compartmentalized. The kingdom of God is integrally and intricately placed into and part of all the world because all the earth is the Lord and everything in it. All of it. God so loved the world, the people of the world, the systems of the world. God is even now in the process of infiltrating, of infecting all aspects of the world with the reality of His kingdom. We want to go out of the box. Out of the compartments that we have carefully constructed in our minds and into our schools, into our workplaces, into the marketplace, into government, into arts and entertainment, into media, into and infiltrating into other religions, into the, the marketplace of ideas in the world around us. This summer we did a series, and I would encourage you, you can always go online to our website, www.betheltwincities.org and click on media and you can download messages either from the St. Paul or from the Minneapolis versions of the messages. And this summer we did a, a series on kingdom culture and in that we discovered a couple of things. We discovered that there is a kingdom culture. We are a house of prayer for all nations. We have people from over 25 different earthly cultures who worship together here in this house. But we believe that there is a kingdom culture which transcends, in other words, that is higher than every earthly culture, and there is a kingdom culture which transforms, changes our earthly cultural worldview, values, and practices. This is what Paul was getting at in Romans 12 too. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, to your earthly culture. This is the way I've always done it. And I like it because I know it's right. Is it? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So here's what we want to submit to you during this series on increasing kingdom influence, going out of the box. That as our worldview, values, and practices are shaped by this kingdom culture, we become catalysts of transformation in the earthly cultural systems around us. We're no longer thermometers which only reflect the ambient temperature of what's going on around us, we become thermostats which actually begin to transform the cultures with which we find ourselves in, including education, religion, art and entertainment, family and kinship, marketplace, media, and government.
We believe that the Spirit of God is leading us as a people out of the box and into increasing kingdom influence in these various earthly systems. This morning, we want to talk about increasing kingdom influence in religion. Now, let me just say up front, you've heard me say this many times if you're a part of this house, but let me remind you, I do not believe personally, I do not think of Christianity as one of the world religions. Because I don't think of Christianity as a religion. Christianity is a relationship with a person, Jesus Christ. With a personal God who, who has relationship with us. But I understand contextually in the, in, in the context of the larger marketplace of ideas... Christianity is understood as a religion, one of the world religions or no religion. But what I want to talk about this morning is how is it or how does God call us as his people to increase kingdom influence into an increasingly diverse religious culture around us? Right back here this morning in our Himalayan Christian Fellowship are dozens of new believers who have come out of Hindu and Buddhist backgrounds. We have people who have come from Muslim backgrounds. One of our apprentices, who is a part of our Oromo congregation, has come out of a Muslim background. There are people who have come out of animist or no background at all or atheist or and I don't know what all the contexts of everyone in this room the the places that you have come from but we want to talk about how do we here at Bethel Christian Fellowship and how does the church at large increase its influence in the area of religion and specifically how do we impact and become yeast and life into other religious systems. Well, the first step is to remember God's vision. We need to under... I always come back to this because we've got really good forgetters. How many of you know, how many times did Jesus... I'm sorry. How many times did the Lord speak to the Israelites? Remember, 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 remember. Why did he say remember so often? Because we've got such good forgetters. We forget. So remember God's vision. Now there's an Old Testament foundation here that is critical. Abram, when when God called Abram and the nation of Israel was established, look at what was established. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I'll show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be what? Blessed through you. Now he goes on in Exodus 19 to say this, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession although the whole earth is mine you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 
And these are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. We're a kingdom of priests. What does a priest do? You, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a priest. We're going to get to this in the New Testament where it says the same thing. What does a priest do? A priest stands before God to bring the needs of the people to God and to speak the truth from God to the people. Hold that thought. Let's go to the New Testament. The New Testament fulfillment of this, Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You are going to be my witnesses. You are going to be a blessing to all people. Listen to me. Norm taught us this in Saturate last year. Geographically, from the nation of Israel, where this, from Jerusalem, where this was being spoken, we are geographically at the ends of the earth. We're as far away as you can get from Jerusalem in our world. We are standing in the fulfillment of this promise. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, 9, the Apostle Peter says, You are a chosen people, a royal what? Priesthood. A holy... A holy what? Nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. We are a holy nation... We are a royal priesthood to declare the praises of Him. Listen up. God's vision has always encompassed the nations and He chooses us and He blesses us to be a blessing to the nations. Oh, I think one of our tragic earthly culture distortions in America is this. That we are somehow, and it infects the church, we are somehow God's chosen people that He has blessed so that He can bless us more. But if He has blessed us as He has, His purpose for us, for sure, as the people of God, is not simply to stand here and say, oh, bless me, bless me, bless me more. But God, how You have blessed me, please make me a blessing. All right. We need to remember God's vision and then we need to re-present, represent God's vision. Go to Acts chapter 17. We're going to look here at an illustration from Paul's ministry in Athens. I'm going to read this scripture, Acts 17, beginning in verse 16, and then I'm going to make a couple of quick points on it and then 
Dave Pestel, wherever you are, please be ready. I'm going to need you in just a few moments. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Now what you worship is something unknown. I am going to proclaim to you the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man, I'm in verse 26 now, from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Verse 29, Acts 17. You can use the Bible in front of you as well if you'd like to follow. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this by all men, to all men by raising him from the dead. And when they heard about the resurrection from the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. And at that, Paul left the council, and a few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was... Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. Okay, very quickly. How, how do we increase kingdom influence with other religions? How do, we, how do we interact with those around us who are a part of our city, our community? How do we, how do we interact with them? What do we do? Well, first of all, look at what it says here. When Paul was waiting for them in Athens, 
He was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. He reasoned in the synagogue with both them. He reasoned with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks as well as in the marketplace day by day. How do we represent the kingdom and God's will to other religions? How do we do this? First of all, Receive God's heart of compassion. We must move beyond an us and them mentality. This is critical. It's a worldview shift in our hearts that only God can do. Because when we interact with somebody who is different than we are, we automatically begin to compartmentalize and think of them as them. And we get into this us versus them mentality. But Jesus showed us another way in Matthew 9 when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He looked beyond the exterior appearance. He looked beyond what seemed to them to be strange or diverse to us seem strange or different practices or values. He looked beyond that and he had compassion. He suffered with. He is Emmanuel. God with us. He's with us. He's with them. Because He came for the whole world. And if we don't have His heart of compassion, if we erect walls of fear, we will never build those bridges of love. Which is our second piece here, to respond relevantly and respectfully. By building bridges in love, not walls in fear. I get it. It's stretching and uncomfortable. It feels strange. When you move out of your comfort zone and begin to interact with people who are different than you are. Maybe different culturally. Maybe different language. Beyond that, maybe different religiously or non-religiously from you and from me. But I want you to notice what Paul did here. He reasoned with them. His heart was moved. He was greatly distressed when he saw the city full of idols. So he reasoned. He began to respond relevantly and respectfully. He looked around and he saw you have statues that say to an unknown idol well, or to an unknown God, let me tell you who that God is. Your own poets have said we are His offspring. Embedded even in what are considered the holy works of other religions, God has embedded even there glimpses which will lead and can build a bridge back to the truth of who Jesus Christ is. I have a friend who does this brilliantly. Works in many other cultures, speaking and doing that brilliantly, responding relevantly and respectfully. As it says in 1 Peter 2.12, I read earlier 2.9, we are chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. 
He goes on and he says, live such good lives among the pagans. Who are the pagans? Simply those who don't know God. That though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. What's your life reflecting? What's my life reflecting? Are we properly representing Christ? Thirdly, there's only four of these, by the way. Release God's truth unapologetically. Paul got to the place where he said, okay, here it is. Let me tell you the reality. The world has set a day when he will judge, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. Paul was unapologetic about preaching the gospel, the cross, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In the same way, in the marketplace of ideas, we do not have to be defensive. In fact, we are not called to be reactive. We are called to speak the truth in love. Not reactively, but proactively. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul said, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. The Gentiles, that's us. Or most everybody in this room. Get it? Hello? You get that? This is critical. Critical to us. So I've asked Dave Pestel to come this morning. He is a home worker here who works among a people group here in the city who need to hear and know the gospel. He's living this out every single day. And uh, I'm going to have him share just an illustration right here and right now, and then I'll wrap up in three minutes when he's done. So we're almost there, but hear carefully. Good morning. My name is Dave Pestel. I help out with the SALT site. Somali Adult Literacy Training. That is an organization where we share Jesus with our Somali neighbors through literacy and friendship. We are partnered with the SALT site that's about a half mile north of here at Concordia University. You'll see it right along Hamlin. We meet on the main floor of that building. So any Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday night from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock, you will probably find us there. So if you ever would like to visit, show up on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday night to see what we do at about 6 o'clock right on the main floor there. You'll see a bunch of us tutors gathering together. The first time you visit, you normally just observe. What we're known for is reaching out to the people in this building. There's that large high-rise across 94. It has about 800 Somalis or so in it. And uh, we do not serve all of them. But if we were to get more people, we'll continue to serve more of them. We're known for one-on-one or small group tutoring where we sit down knee-to-knee, elbow-to-elbow, and help teach English. 
If you can read a first grade book, you have enough English to help out our Somali neighbors in our classrooms. We have been doing this since 2005, right up there. And we have had a chance to uh, be a part of something significant. We're also known for potlucks. Somali food is very good. We've taken the tradition of Bethel Christian Fellowship and moved it right up there. (laughs) Sharing good food together. And we're also known for our semi-annual training. We just had one yesterday at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis. We had over 100 people gathered together learning things like, what about Somali culture? How do we teach effectively? What is Islam? How do we respond to Islam? And and that's what you see on paper. That's what you hear in a 30-second conversation about what SALT is about. Um, But if you go down into the heart of what we are about, if you get your feet wet, get dirt under your fingernails, you might see Julie explaining to Amino her raspberry garden that she's planted. Because one of the things I appreciate about Julie and many of our volunteers is they have been attuning their ears to receive God's heart of compassion. To receive God's heart of compassion. That's the most important thing. What does God What is God's heart? What is God's heart and how can we connect to that? He so wants you to receive his heart, his understanding, his way of seeing things, his way of hearing things. He wants that for you. When that happens, when you begin to digest God's flavors, Inevitably, you respond relevantly and respectfully. It just happens. Here we are. Uh, we took some tutors, some volunteers, and some of our students to feed my starving children. Uh, many of you maybe have been there before. And we packaged up a few thousand meals that are being shipped over to Somalia. Somalia is in the midst of not only a civil war that has been going on for much too long, but also a drought that has caused a famine. And so we wouldn't have known that if we wouldn't have been responding, able to respond because we've heard God's voice in our lives to connect with those neighbors who don't know him and then we hear the stories. And when you begin to respond, God's truth is released. God's character is released. His joy is released. Who he is comes out. That, that's Sarah, by the way, in the middle. Sarah just graduated this past summer from Cordia. Woo-hoo, good job, Sarah. She has been tutoring with us for 
three and a half years. She has, she didn't come because, she doesn't tutor because of a, uh, she has to, but because she does a wonderful job of listening to what God is calling her to. And she feels this is what God is calling her to. Not just today, not just yesterday, not just this past week or this past month, this past year, three and a half years. That, that changes things. Her, she is changed and then she begins to step into the lives of the people around her, and they are changed. When she graduated, she walked across, and her name was spoken in the middle of a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour graduation ceremony that some of those uh, Somalis didn't understand more than three words of. When she walked across there, a whole contingency of Somalis got up and cheered for Sarah. There was like 20, 30 and their families and just all right there in the back cheering for Sarah. Woo, Sarah. Because she has been invested in their lives. She has been in their homes. She has been in their apartments. She has shared difficult things with them. That release of who God is starts back at receiving God's heart of compassion. And I would ask, I would plead that in the midst of your very busy life, where you have a job and family, friends, school, health issues, neighbors, there's a lot swirling about your life, that you take time today and tomorrow to go before God and say, I want your heart. I I want your heart, God. Not mine, not this stone. I want your heart of compassion, of love, of joy, of truth, of strength, of courage, of mercy, of compassion. God, I want it. And then you ask today, and you ask tomorrow, and you ask the next day, and you ask, and you ask, and you ask, God, God, give me your heart, your heart, your heart, your heart. Diligently, faithfully seek after that. Everything else will fall into place. Whether he gives you the heart to drive a van for Himalayan fellowship or maybe to mentor one of those teen challenge students that was here a little while ago or maybe to help out at SALT or whatever it is, he will give you that heart. That's Kadra. She's in the middle. Wonderful young lady. I was over at her father's apartment the other night. She was helping to translate. Her father had just gone on a trip, and she was helping me to understand because he doesn't speak as much English, and I do not speak as much Somali as I ought to. And so she was helping to translate. Kadra, the one in the middle, was helping to translate because it was her father. When she first arrived at SALT, back in 2007, I think it was, when she came in, she signed her name with an X because that is all she could read in Somali or English. That's all she could write, an X. That's it. Now she can read. She can understand bus stops and signs and papers and forms. And she can go and take a test and take this test that passes when she, does, when she passes the test, it says, you are an American citizen. You're an American citizen. You can vote. You get a passport. That 
that's her citizenship ceremony. And those are just some of the women that have invested in her life. They were at her citizenship ceremony saying, Kadra, well done. Well done. Well done. And it all starts back. I received in that God's, God's heart of compassion. And I don't, um, if sometime, either now or after you're done, but to take some time to allow people to come up and to seek out, say, God, nothing else. I want your heart. I want your heart. Nothing else. Everything else will follow. Give me your heart. Amen. That is where it begins. That's where it ends. Receiving God's heart of compassion. Responding relevantly and respectfully and releasing His truth unapologetically. And our final piece that I want to bring is to recognize that God is already at work. This is crucial. We've talked about this many times this week during our, um, during our conference. And that is, is that He is building His church. I'm not building my church. He's not building my church. I'm not building His church. But He's building His church. And He's building His kingdom. And I want you to understand that God is already at work among people around you. Sometimes you think, oh, it seems like God is so far away, but God is already at work. It tells us in Colossians chapter 1 that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. Listen. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself some things here on earth. Some nations. Some people. Some systems. Some powers. Some rulers. Some authorities. All authorities. All. All. Whether things on earth or in heaven. Things on earth or in heaven. By making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Listen up. It is God who initiates and completes kingdom transformation. Not me, not you. God does. Uses us. But it's God's work. It's God's work. So will you respond to God's vision? Will you respond to God's vision? In Acts 26, Paul tells his testimony... And as part of his testimony, when he was on the road, the Damascus Road, and God met him there. And God meets him and strikes him, I mean, blind, and he's down on his knees, and he says, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord responds, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And the Lord replied, Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. 
I'm going to rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Here is the word of the Lord to us today. He has appointed and anointed us to go to the nations, to the peoples who are in darkness and bring the light to those who are serving in other religious systems or no religious system at all. Who else is he going to say, send? Who will go for him? Will you? Will I? Recognizing he's already at work. Will you unapologetically declare the truth of the gospel? Will you respond relevantly? Will you respond respectfully? Not building walls of fear, but bridges of love. Will you receive God's heart of compassion today? Dave already gave us the challenge. This morning, if you just want your heart opened up more, receiving that heart of flesh from Him, His heart, for the nations, for the people around you in our community. God loves them. He's wildly in love with them, so much that He sent Jesus to die on a cross. He's wildly in love with you. If you're here this morning and you've never stepped into a relationship with Him, today can be your day. Come, talk to Tom and Kathy right down front here. They'd love to pray with you today. To welcome you into the kingdom. Jesus loves all people, including us here this morning. Can we stand together, please? And I'm going to give a prayer of benediction in a moment. Before we do, though, we're just going to respond to this word today. And if you feel the Lord taking you out of the box, or maybe you've already gone out of the box and you just need more strength, more heart from Him, more compassion, more insight, more wisdom, would you step out right now? Come, join me here at the altar today. Let's go out of the box as He takes us to see His kingdom influence increase to the nations. Come on. He said, come. Come. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, hear our cry this morning from this house that You would take us out of our box, Lord God. Give us Your heart for the nations, for the peoples of the earth. For those who serve other gods or an unknown God, Lord, who do not know this personal relationship with You. Help us, Lord, to bring Your truth to the nations in love for each one here this morning. Lord God, help us in our circle of influence. Give us your heart. Help us. Empower us, Lord, for your will and for your work. Empower us, Lord. Jesus, we pray. And now with open hands, receive the benediction today. I pray now that you would be filled again with the immeasurable love of God the Father the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ, the Son, 
the inexhaustible strength, power, comfort, and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours. As you go from this house to yours, sent to make disciples of all nations, go with the banner of His favor and goodness over your life. Until we gather again in this house or in our eternal home, I bless you, people of God. In the name of Jesus, I bless you to go to the nations. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen.